0: Hey, give Amzie a round of applause. That was great. And let me tell you, I love uh, getting to be at the quarry with Amzie. He There's just no better person for your kids to look up to and to hear from. As you saw, he just ministers in a way that's so genuine and honest and relatable. And the kids, you guys aren't kids, but our students eat it up. Everybody loves Amzie. Most people love me, but everybody loves Amzie because he's just so great. Him and Jessica are wonderful, just faithful covenant people. So um, he's he's just a safe person for your students to be around. And uh, on that note, I do want to say if you're a parent who sends your students to the quarry, thank you so much for sending them. We love to be there with them so much. It is the highlight of my week. It's so much fun. Um, And I want to give a shout out to all of our quarry leaders because we have a team of people. I personally don't know really of any other team that requires like the level of commitment that the quarry does. It is super fun, but also not for the faint of heart. We have a great time, but it's everything from like holding a crying kid to they're calling you because the toilet's clogged and you're just looking for the real adult in the room, but it's you, so you have to deal with it. You know, your vomit starts coming out of somebody, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, it's fine, it's fine. So we have a team of very just dedicated, wonderful people. They spend over $600 annually taking your kids to camp and Love is Red and a million trips through Taco Bell and Coffee Crossing and picking people up and giving them rides. They're just the best people, and I would never describe myself as scrappy, but if it came down to it, I would fight someone for those quarry leaders because they have had my back <laughs> so many times, and we just could not do what we do without them. They're just the best, best people. So if you have kids that come to the quarry, just know that we love them so much. We have the best time, and we're so grateful that you would allow us to be in their lives because it's a real privilege. So just wanted to give a shout out to my my quarry people because I love them. Also, Dr. Jacobs, Pastor Diana, Pastor Jordan, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, everybody, for being here today. So I'm going to talk to you about something today that is typically, I think, an issue that's relegated to middle and high school students. So don't write me off because this is for you today, no matter your age and no matter where you're at in life. And the topic is your identity and here's why I want to take a look at this as I've become an adult and I'm surrounded um, by well I'm not always surrounded by older people (laughs) I'm at the quarry a lot but you know at work and things I'm surrounded by other adults and I see people struggling with their identity and it's a bigger issue than people realize because when we're looking at middle and high school students you know when we were that age we're kind of you're really consumed with just saying you know who am I and what am I here for what is my purpose what is my passion what Am I gonna do? So you're figuring out your identity, but the problem is, a lot of times by the time you reach adulthood, you've settled into an identity, but it's not the identity that you were created to have. Here's why that matters: We tend to take how we look at ourselves and think that that's how God looks at us. So if my identity and the way that I see myself is messed up, I think God looks at me and sees messed up things too, and I won't be able to receive what I need to from Him if I don't have. my identity straight. And what I've learned is that people are typically basing their identity out of two things. Maybe not when you're 20, but by the time some stuff has happened in your life, there's really two things that people sort of settle into. The first thing is their identity is based uh, around something bad that happened to them. Whether it was a tragedy, an offense, um, a a wrongdoing, a a mishap, a a misdoing, their identity is centered around maybe one or maybe a series of kind of just life-altering events. This happened to me, and this is why I am who I am today. The second thing is that people will view their identity in light of what they've done. You maybe wouldn't tell me that if I was talking to you, but when you lay down at night, you're just thinking, I am the person who did this. For some of you, that would be something good, maybe. Some of you, that would be something bad. I am the person who did this. But both of those methods of obtaining an identity are flawed because they're based in humans and in men, in what you've done or what somebody else has done. Sorry. Sorry got to slow down when I first started preaching at the quarry a lot of the feedback was it was good but you talked really fast one time at the detention center I had a kid be like like 40 minutes in he raised his hand and said can you slow down I didn't hear a thing you said and I had been going for like a long time so that's my Achilles heel a little bit so I'm gonna slow down But both of those methods of obtaining an identity are flawed because they're based in humans. What you've done, what somebody else has done, what another person has done to you or what you've done to yourself. And the Bible says that before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. The person who made you, the God who made you is the source of your identity. He knows who you're supposed to be and who you were born to be and who you are. So that's where our identity has to come from the one who formed us. He holds our identity. He knows who we are. And this will affect our life very dramatically because I want to look at Hebrews four sixteen, and a commandment that God gives us there. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is he saying? When you need help, Come to the throne. Come boldly to the throne. And we all know this at at many points in our life. We need help. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's a family situation, a relationship. We need help. And God says, come boldly to the throne of grace and get the help that you need. That's really exciting. That's an awesome verse. But we're not doing it and the reason people don't do it is because their identity is flawed they're not approaching the throne boldly because they're just seeing their mistakes they're just seeing their hurts if they're approaching the throne at all i think many people don't even approach because they just count themselves out and say no No, I'm too messed up. You don't understand. You don't know what happened to me. I'm just, things are really hard for me. It's really challenging. No, God didn't say come perfectly to the throne or come happily to the throne. He just said come boldly to the throne. So I want to shake you today about your identity so that you will begin to go boldly to the throne and obtain everything you need because that's how God designed this thing to work. So I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 next. And we're gonna spend a minute talking to those of you who maybe see that your identity is rooted in something that was done to you. And Hebrews 12:15 in the Passion says, Watch over each other and make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Make sure that no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble. And poison the hearts of many. And I want to say that I believe if your heart is troubled and poisoned by bitterness, it's going to hinder your ability to receive from God. You cannot boldly approach the throne of a holy God if your heart is troubled and your heart is bitter. God tells us, don't let your heart be troubled. He's telling us bitterness brings trouble, and if you're troubled, it'll keep you from receiving all that I have for you. You need help. I need help. We all need help. We're designed to go boldly to the throne and get it, but if I'm troubled and I'm bitter, I can't do that. And I saw this quote recently. I thought it was so good. If you don't allow healing to come to your wounds, you'll bleed all over people who didn't even cut you. And I want to say today, listen, I don't mean this harshly, and I'll explain why. And this is just as much a message to me as to you, but the hurt was not your fault, but the healing is your responsibility. It's not your fault what happened to you, but it's your responsibility with how you're going to move forward. And I want to tell you today, that's good news. That's very good news, because many of us live thinking that somehow our healing is rooted in somebody else's apology or acknowledgement or sentiments or coming around to realizing what really happened, we cannot relegate that in our mind to say, my healing is in their hands. God said, I am the Lord that heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. My healing is not in the hands of someone else. Therefore, I do not need them to be healed of the way that they hurt me. They have no involvement in my healing. I don't have to wait around for an acknowledgement or an apology or closure. It's not about that. God said, no, I'm going to make this so easy. (laughs) They're not involved. There was a situation that happened with them. Don't worry about it. Healing is about me and you. I am God I am the Lord that heals you you come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain your healing this is about me and you so what does that mean the only things I need to receive healing is my willingness to receive and God's power to heal His power is there all the time, so the rest is in my hands. And he's made it so easy. Now, I understand it's not always, it doesn't always feel easy. Uh, It's not always the emotionally satisfying thing to do initially. But if I can forgive, I can be healed regardless of what anyone else says or does or thinks. And that is good news. When we're upset and we have that bitterness in our heart, man, we're just craving that response from the other person. We want that. We want them to say something. We want them to acknowledge this. But you know what? That doesn't bring healing. They don't have the ability to bring healing to you. So remove that from your mind. You do not need their involvement to be healed. This is about you and God. I am the God that heals thee. And that's such good news today. I love that so much. But I want to encourage you today that even though, It's easy to stay in a place of hurt. It's really costly. And I want to look at Romans 12. In in verses 17 through 19 in the Passion, it says, Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge. But leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, if you don't take justice into your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And I want to for a moment take a a second to talk about Judas. And I heard somebody else share this recently, and I thought it was so good. But we know that Judas was one of Jesus' closest friends, and he betrayed him, and he gave him up to be killed. And, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus knew the thoughts in Judas' heart. Jesus knew he would be betrayed by Judas. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't just like he kind of like got bad, bad vibes from him or something. He knew his, his heart, and so he knew what would happen. But we see that Jesus continues just to treat Judas with love, to treat him no differently. Uh, he keeps going through life with Judas. And I think it's so powerful. I heard somebody say, you know, notice that Jesus did not make Judas feel bad. And he didn't even let Judas know, like, hey, I know what you're going to do to me. I know what's coming. You know, sometimes I I understand, and I felt this way before, like, man, I don't even need an apology. I just want them to know how bad they hurt me, you know? Do they even know? I just want them to know. Can they just feel it for a minute, you know? And that's not the attitude that Jesus took with Judas. And I heard this lady say, it's never my job to make somebody feel bad for what they did to me. We see that Judas hung himself. He betrayed Jesus. Jesus was killed. And then Judas killed himself. That wasn't God's will. God didn't do that. The devil did that. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible tells us the devil, one of his his MOs, is to accuse us. So I will never try and make someone feel as bad as they made me feel or get them to acknowledge how much they hurt me, because that's accusation, and I don't want to align my mission with the devil's mission. The devil is going to make people feel bad enough. Listen, if you've ever made a mistake, you know that you don't need help feeling bad about yourself. You don't need help knowing what you did was bad. The devil takes care of that, and then some. That's usually the issue, is we have to forgive ourselves and say, nope, Jesus took care of it. It's under the blood." So. We've got to get rid of that kind of craving just to say, I just wish they knew. No, they know sin has a price, and it's death. If somebody sins, they're going to reap the harvest of that. That's not what we're wishing on people, but that is a law that is set up, so I don't ever need to uh, you know, show somebody how bad they hurt me or or make sure that they feel those consequences because the devil is going to take care of that and more, and instead I should opt to pray for them. The Bible says, pray for your enemies, an enemy is somebody who's after you. It's not just somebody that's like kind of irritating and you don't like, right? An enemy, that's a strong word. God says pray for them because honestly, if they're really an evil person, they've got enough coming to them anyway. From what they've sowed, they're going to reap and the devil is going to bring havoc into their life and I don't want to stand by and ever cheer that on. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus loved Judas up until the end and that wasn't God's will for Judas's life to end the way that it did. There was redemption Available, but I love Jesus' example of just walking in love. I know what you're going to do to me. I'm going to walk in love anyway. It's going to be all right. So today, if you struggle uh, with being, you know, caught up in something that happened to you, whether it was recent or not, I just want to encourage you today. Your healing is available. That other person is not involved in your life anymore. They have no part to play in your healing. And if you will come boldly to the throne of grace to receive what you need, you'll be healed of that. And that is good news for us today. The second point I want to look at today uh, is to those of you maybe who struggle with your identity being rooted in something that you have done. And in a moment, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. But I want to say to you today, something that is so simple, you'll probably think it's oversimplified, but if you struggle with being rooted in what you've done, bad decisions you've made, today I'm telling you, you've just got to let it go and forgive yourself. And a lot of you are thinking that's easy for you to say Morgan that's easy for you to say and it maybe is easy for me to say but I want to look uh, today at the Apostle Paul there's probably not a single church in this whole country that is not quoting something that he wrote today uh, he wrote the largest part of the New Testament we read his words daily uh, the Apostle Paul is generally really highly regarded you guys typically have good feelings toward him I do I like him. Big fan, the Apostle Paul. We think these great things about him. He wrote, you know, a massive chunk of the Bible. Really great guy. Really did a lot for God. That's super, super true. But let's look in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and 3. And this is in the Amplified Classic. It says, Saul, this is Paul, was not only consenting to Stephen's death, he was pleased and entirely approving. On that day, a great and severe persecution broke out against the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. In verse 3, it says, But Saul shamefully treated and laid waste the church continuously with cruelty and violence, and entering house after house, dragged out men and women and committed them to prison. And to be super honest, I had never taken a close look at this until the last few weeks and realized, Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul, he was super deranged. I mean, I'm not trying to be funny by saying this, but like, on the joker level of like the i'm uncomfortable. I'm really uncomfortable. It said he took pleasure in persecuting the church. It said as they were stoning Stephen to death, people were laying down their coats in front of Saul like he was the ringmaster of it all. What a past. What a past. Somebody who got their kicks from killing people, he was known for that, going around and killing people. So maybe, you know, you're thinking, Morgan, that's easy for you to say, forgive yourself. But the Apostle Paul had to forgive himself. And here's the thing. He was famous for doing those things. He wasn't undercover. He was known as a man who went about killing Christians and persecuting the church. If you want to talk about someone with a dark past, that's the Apostle Paul. But he gives us a key when he says, I forget those things that are behind and I press on towards what's ahead. I forget those things that are behind. And listen, many times we criticize people really for having that attitude. Imagine if somebody of Paul's history walked into church and you knew that they had killed 15, 20, 30, 40 people, I don't know how much, and they're just like, yeah, you know, it's fine, but it's its behind me, I just, I don't really think about it. Many people would struggle with that and say, well, you should think about it, the families of those victims are thinking about it, right? Right? People would have a problem with that, but Paul boldly said, No, I put those things behind me, and I press on towards what's ahead. Paul forgave himself. When he saw the forgiveness of Jesus toward him, he was able to forgive himself and press forward. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So I want to say to you today, if you're somebody who struggles with your past, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new for you today. And if you see yourself in light of your mistakes, I'm telling you, you will not come boldly to the throne and obtain what you need. You're going to hide from God if all you see is your mistakes. You won't run to him. You won't receive healing. You won't receive freedom. You'll be stuck in those mistakes until you can boldly say, like Paul nope if I am in Christ I am a new creation I put those things behind me and I press on towards what's ahead and listen as Christians we should never judge anybody for doing that it is not my job to remind anybody of their past it's good to acknowledge how far God has brought us and I'm thankful for that but I forget what's behind and I press on towards what's ahead you need to see yourself how God sees you If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. God looks at you and sees new. You're new. You're brand new. You're not just updated. You're not just revamped. You're not just cleaned up. You're not just dressed different. You are new. You're new. You're brand new. You know, there's a difference between just like sprucing up your house and getting a brand new house. I recently had my porch painted, but nobody comes over and says like, oh, you got a new house. I didn't get a new house. (laughs) I just painted the porch. It looks a lot better, but that's not a new house. You're not just an improved situation. You are new. So walk in that and boldly approach the throne. Jesus died for you to be able to do that. And it's a disgrace for us to act like that's not enough. I can't approach God because, you know, he knows what I've done. I know what I've done. Yes, and he sent Jesus anyway. So come on boldly. Come approach the throne boldly and receive what you need. God sees you in Christ, and he sees you as Jesus. So you are a new creation. Take God at his word. Believe that you are who he says you are. You're not who you say you are. You're not who your past says you are or your decisions or your hurts. You are who God says you are. He says you're new. So come boldly to the throne and receive what you need. And in closing, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And this is in the message. It says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. And that's what I want to say to you today. If you've been hurt, I want to say forgive so that you can take the mercy and accept the help. And if you've made bad decisions, I want to tell you to forget it and press on so that you can come boldly and accept the mercy and take the help. Because that's how God designed you to live. It sounds a little oversimplified and it sounds really easy, but that's because it is. God didn't make it hard. He said, come boldly and get what you need From me. So, the only thing that's keeping me from doing that is me up here in my mind. So, I'm going to choose today to forgive anything that's happened to me and let it go. And I'm also going to choose to let go of decisions that I've made because you know what? The past is behind me and I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if we take that attitude, we will be able to come boldly to the throne of God and obtain what we need. So, I want to encourage you guys with that today. I love you guys so much. And again, thank you so much for this opportunity to share.